All right, I will say good morning, good morning, a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors, thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Teves. To thank the daf Yomi Shir for dedicating over Shimon Joshua's this month in memory of Mr. Milton Martyr Mordechai Dov Ben Rafal Akoyin Zechorin Levracha. To thank the Elbaum Mishpacha for dedicating over Shimon Joshua's this month in commemoration of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov Koppel, Ben Rav Abram Menachem. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families a Nechama. Now, we'll say with that, let us begin. So, we'll say today's daf is Pehei 85. And we are picking up in Merit Sashem at two dots. Right, thank you. Two dots on 84b, two dots on Pei Dalit Amad Beis. So, we'll say, so let's go. Says the Gemara. So, we are now two, four, six, eight, nine lines up on the bottom. So, the Mishnah said, Kohanim Iluvim Nanim Li Yitlus. So if you remember again, we had two cases in the Mishnah. Case number one, Rachel's married to Ruben. So Rachel says, or it doesn't have to be Rachel, by the way, it can actually be anyone, but we're fine. Person says, Kohanim Uluvim Nanim Li. I hereby make a nether prohibiting Kohanim Uluvim from getting any benefit from me. Okay, the impact of that nether, what does it do in terms of Trumas and Maestros? So the Mishnah says, in that case, in that case, Yitlu, Yitlu al karcho. Ultimately, again, Karma and Levine have the ability to take Truma and Meiser against the will of the vower. Against the will of the vower. Okay, that's case one. Case two, the Mishnah says, Kohanim, excuse me, the case two is Kohanim Elu Levim Elu. Case two is where the Mishnah says, the vower says, these particular Kohanim or these particular Levim cannot take Truma and Meiser. Then what's the halacha? So, so the Gemara says, Elu, so Elu Nanimli, Yitlu Achirim. So those specified Kohanim and Leviim cannot take the Truman Meiser, but other Kohanim and Leviim absolutely can. Fine. So we'll say, so says the Mishnah, let's so say, says, I'm sorry, Alma, what do you see here? Now we'll say, we spoke about this yesterday already, but a quick, a quick Chazara. If you remember again, the idea that we spoke about when it comes to Truman Meiser, obviously again, I'm the Jewish farmer, I'm the Yisrael. I separate out Truman Meiser. Who does the Truman Meiser belong to? Who does it belong to? Kohanim and Leviim. Kohanim and Leviim. Now, granted, Meiser Rishon, technically speaking, the Yisrael could eat as well, but let's just, let's just go with the idea it belongs, belongs, belongs to Kohanim and Leviim. So as Yisrael, what rights do I have in this produce? What rights? I have what's called Tovas Hana. Tovas Hana means I have the right to decide who to give it to. That is a right. So I say, so now here we go. Says the Gemara, Alma, Tovas Hana Eina Maman. Now, say, now let's, let's analyze this just a moment. The critical shadow we're going to deal with now is something very interesting, which is, does Tovas Hana, the right to decide which coin or lady to give the Truma Meister to, does that right have a financial value or not? Now, what the Gemara says is as follows. We're going to see why that's very important in just a little bit. So let's analyze this. In case number one, I make a nether. My nether is, no Kohanim and Levim can get any benefit from me. That's the nether. So what's the halacha? Kohanim and Levim could come and take Truman Meister against my will. They could just take it from me. So what do you see from here? You see from here that Tovas Hana does not have a financial benefit. Right? Why? Because if it had a financial benefit, then what? Then when the Kohanim and Levim show up and take my Truman Meister, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're getting Hana from me. They're getting Hana from me. The fact that Kohanim and Levim are allowed to show up and take my Truman Meister indicates that Tovas Hana is a right but it is right without financial, without financial value. So the Gemara says, Alma, Tovas Hana, Eina Mamon. 
So yet, yet, again, look at the last part of the Mishnah. What did the last part of the Mishnah say? Kohanim elu elu. If my nether was these particular, I, I named the Kohanim, right? So, you know, so, 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 Aaron, Aaron, Nadav, and Aviyu cannot get Hana from me, right? Moshe, Eliezer, and Gershon can't get, those Levim can't get any Hana from me. If I name them, then what's that lacha? Yitlachirim. Then the other Kohanim, in other words, other than the named Kohanim, other than the named Levim, can go ahead and take Shremus and Isis from me. So what do you see from here? Valahani lo. But the named Kohanim and Levim can't. So what do you see from here? Alma, Tavas Hanamamim. They both say, now the fact that the named Kohanim and Levim cannot take the Truman Mesa, what does that indicate? What does that indicate? That Tavas Hana does have a financial value, right? Because if it didn't have a financial value, then Halakha Lamaisa, they would not be, they, if it didn't have financial, then they should, even the named Kohanim and Levim should be able to take it. Say, so say, what, what do we have? We have a contradiction. From the first case in the Mishnah, it sounds like Tovas Hana does have a financial value. From the second case of the Mishnah, I'm sorry, just the opposite. From the first case of the Mishnah, it sounds like Tovas Hana does not have a financial value. From the second case of the Mishnah, it sounds like Tovas Hana does have a financial value. So which one is it? To which the Gemara says, here we go. Lokasha Harebi Vaharebiosi. The two different opinions. I will say this Sanya, here we go, listen to this. It's very interesting. I will say, here, listen to the following case. Reuven comes along and Reuven steals my tevel. So, what, what does this mean? I have produce. I have produce, right? I just harvested my field. I have not yet separated out trumas and maestros. So, therefore, again, I have crop, right? I, I, have, I have grain, and my grain is tevel. Reuven comes along and steals my tevel. Steals my tavel. So now what's the shiloh? So that so now the question is va'achlo. Now he consumed the tavel. He consumed all of my grain. Now, Ruvain wants to be about tshuva. So he comes along now and he wants to go ahead and compensate me for the theft. So what's the shiloh? What's the shiloh? What does he have to pay? So listen to this. Mishalimlo dimetivlo divei rebi. So Rebbe says, look, what does he have to pay me? He has to pay me the value of the tevel. Now, we'll say, now what's the value of the tevel? So the Pashto's value of the tevel means everything. Right? Every, every, everything, the, the, the entire value, the entire value of that crop. The entire value of that crop. Now, we'll say, the Pashto's, what that means is the tevel, right? And also whatever the trumas and the maestros were inside of that as well. We'll, we'll define this in just a moment. So, Dere Rabbi. So, Rabbi Yosef Yehuda Omer, Eino Meshalim Ela Dmei Chulen Shalom. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda says, No, no, no. What does Ruben have to pay? What does Ruben have to pay? Only the amount of what would have been Chulen. In other words, when Ruben consumes the crop, he doesn't have to pay me back for Truma and Meiser. Why not? Why not? Truma and Meiser wasn't mine. In other words, I'm, 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 I, right, it, was, it was my crop. It was my tether. So, ultimately, again, now Ruben stole the whole, the whole untied bun, uh, pile. He ate it. Now what does he have to pay me back? So Rebbe says he's got to pay me back demetivlo, the entire value of the tevel, entire value. So Rebbe Yosef Yehuda says no, he has to pay me back the chulin amount. Why? Because the ma'isa again, the truma and ma'isa wasn't mine, wasn't mine. So I, he doesn't have to pay me back for something that's not mine. Truma ma'isa didn't belong to me. Truma ma'isa belongs to the Carmel Levim. Now he's not going to have to pay back the Carmel Levim either. Why not? Why not? 
Because Lamai said this is called Mamon She'en Lotovin. Money that has no particular claimant. In other words, there's, there's no particular coin or lady who could claim that ruling caused them to lose out. Because of that, there's no, because of no claimant, therefore, again, he doesn't have to pay. But Lamaisa, what this saying is, he doesn't have to pay the value of the entire crop that he stole, only the amount of kulin that would have been in it, for that represents my portion. So, my love, I'll come So, what are they arguing about? What are they arguing about? So, top of Pehe, here we go. Top of Pehe. Um, fine, there's more, there's more to talk about in this. Um, fine, so I'll just, I'll just point out. Fine. All right. Let, let, let me just let me just mention this now. Duran points out over here. Duran points out that when when Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Huda says, I'm sorry. When when Rabbi says Tivlo, see I say. So actually, take a quick look. Go back to Pedal Rabbi's for just a moment. I'm sorry. Mishalim lo Tivlo. So ultimately, again, so Duran says over here. So he says Dimei Chulin Shabo Udimei Trumas Amaisus Lefi Tovas Hano. So we'll say, let me, let, me, let me explain this just a moment. So now, let's go back. I have grain. Ruvain, untied grain. Tevel. Ruvain steals my tevel, consumes the whole thing. Now, what does Ruvain want to do? Tshuva. In order to do tshuva, what does he have to do? Pay me back. Pay me back what he stole. What's my focus? What does he have to pay back? So let's, let's work backwards. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda says, the only thing he has to pay me back is the chulin that was in the grain. Because that's really what he stole from me, the chulin. That's the part I could have consumed, that's the part I could have eaten, and that's what he has to pay me back. Rebbe, on the other hand, holds, Rebbe, on the other hand, holds, that he has to pay me back the value of the tevel. Then I will say, what's the value of the tevel? So, even Rebbe agrees. He doesn't, he has to pay back the chulin, right, that's obvious, pay back the chulin piece, plus what? It can't be plus the actual value of the truma and meister in it. Why not? Why not? I, I, that's not a value to me. It's not a value to me. But it must be that what Rebbe means is what does he have to pay me back? Tovas hano. The value of the tovas hano. I had truma and meister in my possession. I also had the choice to give that truma and meister to someone. That choice, right? That right has a value. Ruvain, by stealing my grain, deprived me of my value, and therefore he pays me back, he's obligated to pay me, the, the value of that right, however we assess that, the value of that right, plus the amount of chulin. So says the Gemara, so what's, what's going on over here? So what's going on? So my love, so we'll say, are they not arguing about the following point? The red top of Pehe, the Rebbe Sava, Rebbe holds, Tovas Hanah Mamon, Rebbe holds, Tovas Hanah is Mamon. Rebbe holds that they'll say the right to choose who to give your truma and meiser to is a right that has a value. And therefore, again, when Ruvain steals my grain from me, not only does he have to pay me back for the chulin in that grain, but he also has to pay me back for what? For the value of the right that I had to assign truma and meiser. Rebbe holds its mammon. Rebbe Yossi, Rebbe Yehuda, Savar, Toba, Sana, Imamon. Rebbe Yossi, Rebbe Yehuda, holds no. The only thing Ruvain has to pay me back for, I will say as well, the only thing he has to pay me back for is the chulin. But Tova Sano, while it, it's true, it's a right, but it's a right that does not have a monetary value. Now I will say, now why is this important? Because it could very well be that these two opinions are reflected in the two different cases in the Mishnah. Case number one in the Mishnah, 
right? Ultimately, again, where I'm making a nether that no Koharim and Leviim could come and eat my Truman Meiser. So the Mishnah said that ultimately Koharim and Leviim could come and take the Truman Meiser against my will. That reflects the view that Tovah Hanad does not have a value. That's the opinion, ultimately, again, of Rabbi Yosef Yehuda. Whereas the second case in the Mishnah, where it says that I make a nether, certain Karmel Levim can't come, and he met Shuma and Meiser, that those named Kohanim can't, but others can, that reflects the view of Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi, of Rabbi, excuse me, that Tovah Hana does have a value. So it's a fundamental machlokas, to which the Gemara is low. The Choli Amot Tovah Hana in a moment, not true. In fact, everyone agrees that Toba Sanasirbo say, I just want to point out, everyone is agreeing that there is a right that exists, right? What's my right? What's my right? My right is the Israel farmers to determine who gets my truma and who gets my miser. What the Imran is suggesting is right now, everyone agrees that that right does not have a monetary value. Doesn't have monetary value, right? So the Imran says, Kuliyama, Toba Sanasirbo, so I said, what's the machlok? Yes, so this is very interesting. Elahacha, so here's what's interesting. The machlokis over here is when you have produce from which truma and maestro has not been separated. What does this mean? Well, say, take a look at the ran. Ran is on the left-hand side. This particular ran is three lines down from the top. The Rebbe Sava, Rebbe holds, Kevan Shalom, Hormut, Shumos, and Maestros, Havilu, Kichul, and Shebo, Delav, Kimi, Shormut, Damion. The Rebbe Rebbe is of the opinion that before Truma and Meister has been separated, it's Chulin. The whole thing is Chulin. And that's why I will say Rebbe holds that when Reuven steals my pile of wheat and consumes the whole thing, what is he obligated to pay back for? What is he obligated to pay back for? The value of the entire pile, in fact. Because before Truma and Meister has been separated, it's not viewed as existing. It's simply looked at as Chulin. Conversely, Rabbi Yossi Savar, Kimi Shohor but Yossi, on the other hand, holds that when you have a pile of grain, the fact that I know that there's truma and meiser in that pile, it's as if truma and meiser has been separated already. And therefore what? When Reuven steals the pile and consumes the entire pile, he's essentially viewed as having consumed chulin, truma, and meiser. And therefore the only thing he has to compensate me for is what? Is the chulin inside of it. So I will say it's so an alternate version. In this version, everyone is agreeing that Tovas Hano is not, is not a monetary right. It's not a right with a monetary value. So what's the Machlokas? The Machlokas is how you view unseparated tithes. Rebbe views unseparated tithes as being chulin. Therefore, the whole pile is chulin. Therefore, Ruvain consumed the pile of chulin. And therefore, Ruvain has to compensate you for the entire pile. Rabbi Yosef says, no. We know that there's truma and meiser in there, even if it has not yet been separated. And therefore, again, Reuben is only obligated to compensate me for the value of the chulin in that pile, independent of, this, of, of the future to be separated truma and meiser. To which the universe, one second. Now, if it's really true that tovas hano, ultimately, again, it's not a monetary value, then who cares? Mali hormu, mali lo hormu. What does it matter if Trumas and Meisters are separated or not? So I say, here we go. Rather, the real reason of Rebbe is as follows. Listen to this. I will say, this is fascinating. The Gemara says, the reality is, everyone agrees that Tovas Hanah is not Mamon. Right? The ability or the right that I have as Yisrael to determine which coin, which levy gets my truma, gets my meiser, 
That is a right, but that is a right without a monetary value. So watch this. What's the machlokes? I'll say the machlokes is when untied grain, when tevel is stolen, who are we going to penalize? Get ready for this. Rebbe holds, we penalize the thief. Penalize the thief. That I will say, in reality, in reality, when you go ahead, listen to this. This is fascinating. In reality, when Ruvain steals untithed produce, right? Ruvain steals untithed produce from me. He consumes it, and I will say, pay me back. I will say, halachically, right? To make it, what should he have to pay back? What should he have to pay back? Just the chulin. Right? Really just the chulin, right? Because I know that within that pile of grain, there's chulin, there's truma, and meiser. Did Ruvain steal the truma and meiser from me? Did he steal the truma and meiser from me? No. What did he steal from me? Tovasana. Tovasana. But Tovasana doesn't have a value, monetary value. So in reality, what did he really steal from me? The chulin. The chulin. But Rabbi says we're going to penalize the thief. How do you disincentivize, right? Dis- disincentivize, right? right? How, do you, how, how do you disincentivize theft, right? Make it hurt. Make it hurt. So if you steal untithed produce, now thief, you're actually on the hook for the value of the entire pile. Not the pile minus two minus, the entire, and the hope is that by levying this significant financial penalty against the thief, it's gonna make the thief think twice before going ahead and stealing the produce. So I would say, that's Rebbe. Kansur Abarna Leganov, Kechidol Legna. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, Saras, and this. Rabbi Yehuda holds, no, he holds, Kansur Abarna Lebalabayis, Kehechidol Lishid Letivle. This is incredible. On the other hand, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds, that ultimately, again, Chazal penalized the, the, me. They penalized the produce owner. Why? Why? In order not to go ahead and maintain untithed produce. So I say, so in order to in order to go ahead and encourage people to tithe as quickly as possible, if you go ahead and if you go ahead and you have your produce stolen, the only produce you're getting back is what? Is the chulin sheba and nothing else. So what does this do? It just incentivizes the owner to go ahead and tithe his produce as quickly as possible. This way he'll be able to dispense the necessary tithes. Incredible. So that's not focus. But I will say, but I just want to point out, but bottom line, interestingly enough, the Gemara is suggesting that everyone is agreeing that Tobas Hano is not Mamon. So I will say, here's the problem. Here's, okay, so the, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the Halacha in this in just a moment. The problem, I will say, is well, Rava Amr, let's, let's look at now Rava. So I will say, see now, here's the problem we have. We're still left now with the contradiction of the Mishnah. Because remember, again, I'm supposed to be two cases in the Mishnah. Case number one is I make a nether, no Kohanim and Levim can get benefit from me. What's the halach in that case? What's the halach in that case? Kohanim and Levim can do what? They could show up at my house and take their Truman Meister. What does that show you? That Tovah Hano is not Mamon. Is not Mamon. Because if Tovah Hano was Mamon, then they are taking a value from me. They're getting Hano from me, which is in violation of the nether. Case number two in the Mishnah, as I say, these Kohanim and these Levim can't take Truman Meister. What's the halacha? So those Kohanim and Levim can't take Truman Meister. But what? But what? Others can. Which shows you that Tovas Hana is a value. So how do we reconcile that? So, we'll say, so we have not reconciled it. So what comes along Rava. Rava says, Shiny Truma, Tahinu Taima Diyitla Karcho, Bishum the Truma Lo Chazi Elokan. So we'll say, now listen to this. Take a look at the Ran for just a moment before we get started. So the Ran Rabo says about 
two, four, six, seven lines up from before it gets wide. So watch this. So Rava Amar, Rava says, Shani Truma, so listen to this. Rava holds that in reality, in reality, everyone agrees that Trumas Hana, I'm sorry, Tavas Hana is Mamon. Reversing course now. Everyone agrees that the right that I have as the Yisrael to determine who gets like Truma and Meiser, that is a right that has a monetary value. So now let's, let's work on this. So I'll say based on this, the second case of the Mishnah makes sense. Right? Second, what was the second case of the Mishnah? I make a nether. These Kohanim, these Levim, cannot get benefit from me. So what's Talacha? Those Kohanim, those Levim, cannot get my true and my sir. But who can? Who can? All other common Levim. So that makes sense. Because what does that show me? That Tobas Hanah has a monetary value. Therefore, the name Kohanim and Levim can't take true and my sir from me because they'll be getting benefit. But what do I do with the first case of the Mishnah? What was the first case in the Mishnah, or the first, uh, first of the last two cases? I make an editor, all Kohanim and Levim cannot get benefit from me. So what's the halacha in that case? What's the halacha? They could come and take it even against my will. I, but what about the Tova Sanda? So watch this. Look at the Gimara. Rav Amar, Shani Truma. Here's the reason. Mishum, the Truma lo chaz lo So remember again, who is Truma fit for? Right? Truma can only be consumed by Kohanim. The Chavot the Ka'asi Misriya Laihu. Rabbi now watch this. When I make a nether saying Kohanim and Leviim cannot get benefit from me, which means they cannot get benefit from my Truma Maisa. So I will say, if Kohanim and Leviim, if Kohanim can't get benefit from my Truma, who can? Who can? No one. Which essentially means I've relegated my Truma to the status of what? The Chavot the Ka'asi. The mystery alive, Shavya, Shavye Afra Baalma. They will say, once I've ushered my truma, ultimately again to all Kohanim, then essentially what does my truma become? Like the dust of the earth. <laughs> and once it becomes like the dust of the earth, what is it, Rabbi say? It's Hefker. Sounds familiar, right? Rabbi say, think about this. What do we do by Bittel Chametz? Libata, will I have a Hefker? Ke'afra Da'ara. So I'll say, this is absolutely fascinating. So Rava says, if even if you hold Tovas Hana is Mamon, in this first case, in this first case, or I should say in the second case, ah, no, no, in the, in the, in the, fir, in the first case of the Mishnah, the first case of the Mishnah, where I'm saying, my truma should be ushered to all Kohanim. Well, if my truma is ushered to all Kohanim, that means it's not fit for anyone. If it's not fit for anyone, it effectively becomes like the dust of the earth. If it becomes like the dust of the earth, it effectively becomes Hefker. If it becomes Hefker, then who could take it? Any Kohanim. I, aren't they benefiting from me? No. They're not benefiting from me, because I was saying, who are they getting, who are they getting the Truma from? Hefker. And I was saying, as we saw from Leket, Shechacha, and Peah, right? Even in our previous case in Mishnah, where Rachel makes a nether not to get benefit, get benefit from anyone, she can still collect Leket, Shechacha, and Peah. Why? Because she's not collecting that from someone. Who is she collecting that from? From Hefker. So we'll say absolutely incredible. Now take a look at the Ran again. The Ran says, Rava Amr Shani Truma, Kilomar, Kulomas Nisin, Isla Tovas Hana, Mamun. Our Mishnah actually reflects the view that Tovas Hana is actually Mamun. It has a monetary value. The Seifa Necha, 
the second part of the Mishnah, which is again, which is just making another against certain Kohanim, other kind of come and take that makes sense. So why in the Reisha, where she makes another against all Kohanim, why do they have the right to come and take the produce even against her will? The Truma Lochaz Ya'ala Kohanim. Like, Truma is only fit for Kohanim. She Asher Litnali Yisrael Really incredible, really incredible. Surav has just a dramatic interpretation. So we'll say in this interpretation, so again, Tovas Hana is Mamon. Tovas Hana is Mamon. If that's the case, has a monetary value, case number two makes sense. Case number one is difficult. To Surav says case one is not difficult. When you ask for Truma upon all Kohanim, you've effectively relegated Truma to the status of afar, to the status of dirt. And because it's dirt, it automatically becomes hefker. Because it becomes hefker, any coin who wants it has the ability to come and take it. Incredible, I will say. So bottom line, by the way, bottom line, how do we paskin? Does tovas hana, or is tovas hana mamon or not? Now I will say, I'll tell you why this makes a difference. So I'll say, listen to this case. Listen to this case. The Rambam, Hilchos Ishos, Perakea Lach above, chapter 5, Halach 6. We'll also listen to this. Aval Yisrael Shekidesh Bitshuma Shifish Migrano. Enu Mikudasha. So we'll also listen to this case. I, I am a Yisrael. I would like to get married. So I give, I give a woman Truma. There's only one problem, right? I'm a Yisrael. She's a Yisraelis. So I say to her, no problem. There's a value in this Truma. What's the value in the Truma? Tova Sano. Take this truma, right? Right, in other words, take this truma, and now you have the right to give this truma to whoever you want. Now, now watch this. Does the kiddushin work? Now, it depends. What does it depend on? What does it depend on? Does tovas hana have a monetary value or not? If tovas hana does have a monetary value, then I have just given this woman an item of value. If Tovah Sana has no monetary value, then what have I given her? What have I given her? Nothing. Nothing. So Paskin's the Rambam, Paskin's the Rambam, Eina Mikudashas. Why? Shahari Eino Lomachra, she can't sell it. Ve'eino Ba'ela Tovah Sana. The only thing that exists within this Truma's Tovah Sana, and again the Rambam Paskin's, ultimately again, the Tovah Sana, Eina Mamon. So we'll say that is indeed how we pass in Allah Khalamaisa. There is a concept, there is a right, there is a right, an exercisable right that Israel has to give his trumas and maestros to whoever he wants. But that right does not have a monetary value. Good, incredible, we'll say, incredible. That's the Allah. Says the Mishnah, the Mishnah, Konam Sha'ini Osa'apiaba. So we'll say it's an interesting case. See here. Same case, Rachel's married to Ruvain. Rachel is married to Reuven, and in this case, she takes a nether. What's her nether? That she is not going to do anything for her father. She's not going to give any anafar to her father. I'm not going to do anything literally for the mouth of my father. I'm not going to give any enough for my father. Or, or she makes a nether to, to Reuven. Reuven, make a nether. I'm not going to do anything for your father. Or I'm not going to do anything for my brother. I'm not going to do anything for your brother. So what's the in all these cases? We'll say in all of these cases, he is not permitted to annul her vow. 
Now both say, why is he not permitted to turn all of that? Why not? We know this. Why not? There's no Inuin Nefesh and it's not Dvarim Shebeno Lebeno. Take a look at the run on the last line in the Yochava Hafer. De'en Elu Nidre Inuin Nefesh because these are not afflictive Nidarim below Dvarim Shebeno Lebeno nor are they Nidarim which govern anything in their, in their marital life. Therefore, he has no power of revocation. Next. Sheni Osapicha. Listen to this. What happens if Rachel makes a neder? Rachel, Rachel, right? The neder is Ruvain. I make a neder not to do anything for you. I'm not going to do anything for you. Sheni Osapicha. So what's that? Rachel, Rachel, Hafer. In this case, he does not need to annul the neder. Why doesn't he need to annul the neder? Because she is bound to provide certain things for him, right? If she works, her earnings go to him. There are certain other domestic responsibilities that she has towards him. And therefore, halacha la making a neder to undermine those obligations is an ineffective neder. So when it says he doesn't have to annul it, it means that the neder never even takes effect. There's nothing to talk about. So I say, if you look at the run, by the way, the run just goes on to the next page. Shani osa picha inosar klahafer. We just take a look at that run. He says, Mishum de Shabute, excuse me, Mishum de Shabute mishabedesle. For love, kol kamine de mefkasle leshibude, because she's obligated to miss certain things, and her neder doesn't have the ability to undermine her obligation towards him. Fine. So I was saying, I watch this. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, no. Rabbi Kiva Omer, so Yafer. Rabbi Kiva says, you should, husband should annul this neder. Why should he annul this neder? Because perhaps she'll earn more than she is obligated to give to her husband. I will say, let's talk about this just a moment. Rabbi Akiva agrees with the Korah Allah. So Tanakama says, Tanakama says, Rachel makes a neder to her husband, Ruben, Ruben, I'm not going to provide any benefit to you. So what's the Allah? What's Tanakhama say? The nether is bottle. There's no nether. There's no nether. Why? Because she's undertaking a nether that would undermine her core obligations that she has towards her husband. Such a nether is fundamentally ineffective. Husband doesn't even have to annul it at all. Rabbi Kiva says, you know what? Husband should annul it. Why should he annul it? Rabbi Kiva says, because of something called haddafa. We learn this in Ksubis. I will say, a wife is, is obligated to contribute a certain amount to the household, right? So let's say she's obligated to earn X amount of dollars per week. Now I will say, that amount that she earns, that goes towards the household. What about additional amounts that she earns? Baruch Hashem, she has a good job. She makes a lot of money. So I will say, what's the status of funds above and beyond that core amount? The answer is, she's entitled to that. She is entitled to that amount. Shabbi Akiva says, husband really should annul that nether. Why? Because ultimately, again, if he doesn't annul that nether, the nether will devolve upon the additional amount of money that she earns that he is not entitled to. Look at the rush for just Mantra Bosai. So the rush is on the right hand column. It's four lines up from the five, uh, four lines up from the bottom. Shemetadif Yoshaminaroi, Biksuz Mefarishlo, Kami Oselo, Vahamosa Yecholo Lahatish. I will say again, so there's a certain core amount that she brings into the household that he's entitled to, right? When he was saying he's entitled to, it goes to this part of the household. But there's hadafa, additional amount that she brings in, she has complete control over. Therefore, again, sorry, 
It's very interesting. Shabbat Kiva holds that Allah husband shouldn't love the nether in this case. When Rachel makes the nether, that any, I'm, I'm prohibited to give benefit to you. Tanakama says, no, nether is bottle. Nether is bottle. Husband doesn't have to do anything with it. Rabbi Kiva says, no, you should really annul it. Why? Because that nether could take effect with what we'll call additional earnings. Because additional earnings, ultimately, again, husband is not entitled to. And Rabbi Akiva holds, now this could become dvarim, shebeino lebeino, and therefore husband really should exercise the right of revocation over this nether. That's Rabbi Akiva, right? Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri, Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri says, Yafer, Shema Yikar Shena, Utehea Sura. Very interesting. Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri says that Lamaisa, he agrees with Rabbi Akiva that husband should annul this nether, but ultimately agrees for a different reason. Agrees for a different reason. Now, Yochanan says that ultimately, again, he, she, he should annul the nether because the nether could be chal on additional amounts that she earns. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, the nether is not going to be chal during their marriage. But what could happen, Abosai? What could happen? If they get divorced, that nether could kick in, right? Because once they're divorced, ultimately she owes him nothing. So because she owes him nothing, the nether ultimately, again, could take effect. In order to prevent the nether from taking effect, what should the husband do? Simply annul it now. Good. So we'll say, so three-way machlokas about what should, right, Rachel takes a nether, Rachel takes a nether, I'm not, right, I make a nether, I cannot give any benefit to you. So what should Ruben do with that nether? Tanakama, what should he do? Nothing. Because the nether is essentially void because she's making a nether to undermine current obligations. Rabbi Akiva, what should he do? What should he do? Annul it. Why? Because that nether could take effect on additional amounts earned. Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Uri, annul it, because perhaps when they get divorced, if they get divorced, that nether could actually take effect. In order to go ahead, I will say, by the way, if that's the case, so you'll say to yourself, so who cares? They'll be divorced. So who cares if that takes effect? So I will say, so the Ran, the Ran actually explains over here on the days that the issue is, I will say, if the nether takes effect, once they're divorced, let's say he wants to remarry her. Right, that neder would preclude him from remarrying her. So, so therefore, again, Yochanan Ben says, just annul the neder now, so that it doesn't take effect upon divorce. Incredible. So we'll say that's three mechlokis. So let's analyze. Amr Shmuel. Shmuel says halacha Rabbi Yochanan Ben Nuri. Halacha is like Rabbi Yochanan Ben Nuri. So we'll say, what does that tell you? Lememra de Kasavar Shmuel Adam Makdish Davar Shalo Bali Olam. So we'll say this is fascinating. This fascinating. So remember again. What does Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri says? Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri says that in reality, Rachel makes a nether, I'm not permitted, I'm, right, I'm making a nether, konam, I'm not going to give you any benefit, any benefit. Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri says, you should really annul it. Now, why should you annul it? According to Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri, does this nether have any marital impact? The answer is, no. no. What is Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri concerned for? That they're going to get divorced, they're going to get divorced, and what's going to happen? Now the nether is going to spring into effect, and suddenly again, she is ushered to give him any handa, which could preclude remarriage, which would also preclude just him getting any benefit from her in, in, in whatever way. So Rabbi says, annul it now. Now we'll say, again, does the, nether, does the nether have any present impact? Zero. But annul it now because of its potential future impact. So the fact that Shemuel says, Allah is like Rabbi what does that tell you? That tells you that a person has the ability to consecrate something 
that is not yet in existence. Mm-hmm. Rabbi will say, why? Because the same way that Rabbi Yochanan Menuri says that you should annul a nether now, even though it has no current impact for some future, for some future, for some future potential impact. So Rabbi Yochanan Menuri says that you can essentially negotiate something now in the present for something that may occur in the future. So similarly, Rabbi Yochanan Menuri or Shmuel must also hold. So Shmuel says, Al Chazak Rabbi Yochanan Menuri must also hold that a person can consecrate something that has not yet come into existence. In other words, you could negotiate a reality now for something that what? That what? Does not yet exist. Take a look at the last rush on the page. The rush says, Adam Makdish, Because remember again, the semen you keep in the this nether, but yet what? He hasn't divorced her yet. And nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. So I will say the Gemara is supposing this. The same Shmuel who holds that the halacha follows Rabbi Yochanan Benuri, right? Namely, again, that the husband should annul this nether because of what it may become, would also hold that what? You could be makdish, you could consecrate something that has not yet come into this world. But is that true? Or I mean, or if a man goes ahead and consecrates the earnings of his wife. Right, so husband says, wife, right, Ruben says to Rachel, anything you earn is hegdish. So what's Talacha Amr Bezu will say? Listen to this. Talacha Israel says she has the ability to work, and whatever she earns, ultimately again, right, she's able to work and earn, which, which is another way of saying that Talacha Lamaisa, her Maisa and her earnings are not hegdish. What about any additional amounts? Rabbi Meir Omer Hagdish, Rabbi Meir says they're Hagdish. Rabbi Yochan Sandler Omer Chulin. Rabbi Yochan Sandler says that they are Chulin. Rabbi Shmuel Shmuel says, Halacha Rabbi Yochan Sandler. Halacha is like Rabbi Yochan Sandler. So we'll say, what does that mean? So we'll say, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? So Matt, just to paint this picture. Ruben says to Rachel, Rachel, Rachel's starting the first day on her new job. Ruben says, Rachel, whatever you earn is Hekdish. It's so, so beautiful, like, to be from on other people's accounts, right? Right? All right? I'm, I'm really dedicated to the Mesemekdash. So whatever you earn is, is headdish, right? And Rachel's like, what is Rachel? Very often when husbands say crazy things, wives say, yeah, whatever, right? Right? Whatever. That's right? so what happens. So she goes to work. She goes to work. They both say, what's the status of her earnings? They're hers. What's the status of additional earnings she owns beyond the amount needed for support? Rabbi Yochanan Sandler says, they're hers. Namely, the hectish designation did not work. Rabbi Yochanan Sandler. Rabbi Shmuel says, Rabbi Yochanan Sandler. What do you see from here? What is the problem with the husband consecrating his wife's earnings? What's the problem? What's the problem? The problem is him. That is true. Right? But the problem is, they don't exist. The earnings don't exist. So in this case over here, the husband is being makdish a davar shalom bali olam. He is consecrating something that doesn't yet exist. And what do you see from here? What do you see from here? The consecration doesn't work. So you see from here that ain't adab makdish davar shalom bali olam. Person can consecrate something that doesn't exist. So what do you see from here? A contradiction in Shmuel himself. Right? Previously we were saying Shmuel holds that the Allah was Rabbi Yochanan Menuri. Namely, annul the nether now because of what may occur. What may occur. So it sounds like Shmuel is saying, Here we're saying, again in the case of the actual earnings, 
So what's going on? V'chi teimar, v'chi teimar, ki kamra alakir Rabbi Yochanan Menuri, al hadafa hu di ka'amar, maybe again, Shmuel's just saying, alakir Rabbi Yochanan Menuri, just for any additional amounts. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, leima, halakir Rabbi Yochanan Menuri ba'adafa. So just then, then say that, then say that. Inami, the other possibility is, halakir kitana kama, or you could, Shmuel could have also said, Maybe we're saying, maybe Shmuel says that's only for additional amounts. Maybe the core amount is actually consecrated, but additional amounts are not consecrated. If that's the case, say it. Or Shmuel say that that we're stuck. We're stuck, right? We have a steel, we have a contradiction between the positions of Shmuel. The truth is, Nedarim are different. Why are Nedarim different? Since a person has the ability, I will say, to ultimately answer someone else's produce on himself. This is fascinating. The same way that I can answer my friend's produce upon myself, I can also answer a davar shalobali olam as well. Now I'll say, what's the comparison between these two? This is very interesting. So the, the, the Ran essentially explains that halacha l'maysa, my friend's produce is like a davar shalabali olam for me, which makes sense, right? I have nothing to do with my friend's produce. So for me, right, my friend's produce is like a davar shalabali olam. The fact that I have the ability to answer my friend's produce upon myself, just like I can answer that upon myself, I can answer a davar shalabali olam upon myself as well. I'm going to buy advice one second. So I will say, I understand why I can answer my friend's produce upon myself. The same way that I can answer my produce upon my friend. And I will say, do I have the ability to answer a davar shalabali olam upon my friend? That can't be. In the same way that I can't answer my friend's produce upon my friend. Ella Amrav Huna. So I'll say, actually, we'll stop over it for today. So I'm leaving you kind of in the middle of all of this. But I'll say, we leave off in the middle of this. So again, what we're left off with is a stira in Shmuel. The Shmuel holds a person can ask a person can't ask for a say, that remains to be continued tomorrow. And the implication that that has on our Mishnah, particularly on the position of Yochamir. So I'm sorry, leaving off kind of mid sentence. I'll say, Shkayach.